most dramatic changes in leadership development in the last decade has been the shift in focus from correcting weaknesses to identifying and expanding on strengths. As this movement continues to catch hold, three myths have emerged that deserve to be dispelled. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my good friend and a leadership guru, Jack Sanger. We live in an age where information spreads very quickly. I read a study from MIT that shared that false news stories are 70% more likely to be retweeted than true stories are. It also takes true stories about six times as long to reach 1,500 people as it does for false stories to reach the same number of people. And that, that isn't just news stories about celebrities or politics. There are certain myths or falsehoods that can spread in any industry. Absolutely. I, I heard the other day that you have never been sick a day in your life, Jack Sanger, and I almost believed it. <laughs> <laughs> a friend sent me a quote taken off the web. It read, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Signed, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are three myths about leaders who focus on building their strengths that we want to dispel and explore with all of our listeners today. Now, the first myth, myth number one, is focusing on strengths is the latest fad from impractical social scientists. <laughs> While it's true that prominent practitioners of leadership development have only recently adopted this focus on strength as an accepted practice, the idea is far from new. As far back as in 1967, in his classic book, The Effective Executive, Management guru Peter Drucker wrote this, and I quote, The effective executive makes strengths productive. To achieve results, one has to use all the available strengths, the strengths of associates, the strength of the superior, and one's own strengths. These strengths are the true opportunities. To make strengths productive is the unique purpose of the organization. It cannot overcome the weaknesses with which each of us is endowed, but it can make them irrelevant. I recall hearing Drucker eloquently talk about this a good 50 years ago, and Drucker would certainly never been described as a touchy-feely social scientist. As the father of much of modern management theory and practice, he was simply describing the best management practices versus those that he thought made no sense. What I think is interesting is that you and Joe started Zanger Folk, and you're constantly observing the data that comes in from all of these assessments around the world of leaders year after year. And the data shows every year that those who are improving the most are the ones who focus on strengths. It hasn't changed. Myth number two, a strength taken too far can become a weakness. You know, there's no question that there are beneficial things a person can do that if taken to excess can become serious problems. As many have pointed out, people can die from massive doses of water 
which in reasonable amounts is utterly essential for us. But leadership strengths don't work the same way. When people think of overdoing a strength, what they really think about is overdoing some associated behavior. Two examples are forceful or assertive behavior and enabling behavior. You know, while being forceful is a good thing to a degree, we can all think of a leader who is overly forceful to the point of being tyrannical. Likewise, while enabling behavior is good when it draws other people out and encourages their participation, we see that when practiced to an excess, this becomes wishy-washy behavior. And so we concur that there are some behaviors that can be used to a non-productive excess. But the distinction becomes easier to see if you ask yourself the flip question like, can an executive be excessively honest? Those who think so might fear too much honesty would maybe lead to overly blunt or boorish behavior. You know, and that may be so, but it's not inevitable and it's the boorishness or the bluntness that would be the problem, not honesty in itself. Interesting. Okay, so how about another example? Let's, uh, let, let's say that someone, can someone be too strategic in their thinking? Yeah, you know, so perhaps you might assume that being extremely strategic could lead an executive to fail to focus on the tactical, important day-to-day issues. And again, that could conceivably happen. But it's wrong to assert that strategic thinking causes people to stop being concerned about day-to-day operations or necessary tactics. These are different behaviors. And it's just as possible that a strong strategic focus on the future can help executives to recognize and quickly change tactics day-to-day because they they understand the long-term impact of today's problems. Using 360-degree feedback, our firm typically measures the strengths of 19 competencies that most consistently describe highly effective executives. These are the traits such as driving for results, being inspiring, thinking strategically, having good character, being honest, that correlate most highly with positive organizational outcomes. Those outcomes are higher productivity, greater customer satisfaction, better employee engagement, higher retention, if in fact doing any of them too well turned a strength into a weakness, then we should be seeing worse results for leaders who score at the 90th percentile and above on a trait compared to those who are scoring not overly well, say at the 56th percentile. But that is not what happens. The higher an individual scores on competencies that we have referred to as strengths, the better their business results. I see. And that's, that's really fascinating. And that leads us to our third and final myth that we would like to dispel today. Strengths and weaknesses always go together. <laughs> yes. In a publication by two prestigious consulting firms, senior HR executives discussed the advantages of focusing on strengths rather than weaknesses. One of the participants said, the key is to inhibit the derailers. 
when you find a person with towering strengths on one or two or three dimensions, often there's a fatal weakness on another. Now, is that really so? Are strengths linked inevitably with weaknesses, like the proverbial two sides of the same coin? To investigate this question, we selected a group of 16,428 leaders for whom we had 360-degree feedback information. Each received an average of at least 10 assessments from their direct reports, their peers, and their boss regarding their leadership skills. If you arbitrarily describe a skill at the 90th percentile as a strength and a competency below the 10th percentile as a fatal flaw, here's what we found. Essentially, the results showed 93% of people with fatal flaws have no strengths. And the more strengths they had, the lower the likelihood was that they would have a fatal flaw. Bottom line, our data shows it is in fact rare for profound strengths and serious weaknesses to cohabitate in the same person. Are there exceptions? Yeah, the late Steve Jobs was a classic example of someone who possessed towering strengths and fatal flaws. However, our data shows that if you look at a large body of leaders, that happens only about 2% of the time. We believe strengths-based development is definitely here to stay. Its acceptance will be enhanced as some of these lingering myths become dispelled. The 90th Percentile on Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin and Jack Sanger and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at sangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to leave us a nice review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com. <laughs>